Merry Christmas. It is so good to have all of you here, and um, I just find myself, Kim and I were talking about just this season and just getting ready for Christmas and uh, the things that we're grateful for and, and how blessed we are. Um, we, we actually took Sunday, as many of you know, we, we took the weekend off, so we took Sunday uh, to figuring everybody else was at church. We went to the grocery stores to go get all the food for Christmas. And it worked out really good. It wasn't too bad, actually. It was really nice. Um, and we get all this food, and we actually found ourselves just thinking, we are so blessed to live in this country. We're so blessed to live in this state, in this city. We absolutely love Castle Rock. And then we got to thinking, we have some amazing people that call Shine Church their home, and we love you. And we are so blessed and we are so honored that you would take a part of your Christmas celebration, your Christmas traditions, and actually celebrate and join us and, and be at one of our services. So thank you so much. Thank you so very much from the bottom of our hearts. I find myself, um, words not being able to express actually how I feel um, just about the family and the love that is in this room. So Merry Christmas. Real quick survey. Um, how many of you open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve? Okay. Wow, you, you almost feel guilty about that, I see. You're like, well, yeah. Okay, how many do it on Christmas Day? Okay, wow. I, I thought for sure at 1 o'clock it would be more Christmas Eve and less was Christmas Day because you guys wanted to get to your afternoon dinner and then get to the present. But okay, it's pretty split in here. Hey, um, I want to ask another question. How many of you have ever been stopped in traffic because the President of the United States rolled into town? Okay, I remember one, this was several years ago, I remember one time trying to get from Arapahoe Road on the east side of I-25, and I was trying to get back to Highlands Ranch, and I remember coming down Arapahoe Road, and everything was shut down, and I'm like, what is going on? And I was at a place in the road where I could see I-25, and I could tell there was nobody on it, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then all of a sudden, more black SUVs than I've ever seen in my life start going across and I'm like, oh, that's right. The president was coming into town today. And um, what's interesting is the special treatment that happens when he comes in, yes? I found some interesting things about um, the president when he goes and visits other places. So for instance, on a recent trip to China, the US Air Force brought in 20 supply planes. Get this, they fly in the president's limousine they fly in the backup limousine. They fly in a helicopter in parts so that they can assemble it there in case he needs to leave. Had no idea. Office supplies, computers. On this particular visit, over 100 security personnel showed up at every site that he was gonna be at. The White House Communication Agency brings in a ton of gear and installs, get this, 600 telephone lines in the hotel they're staying at. 600 telephone lines. Is our cell phones not good enough? I guess not. 600, wow, that's crazy. They fly many of the motorcade vehicles over as well. The President's Lincoln, the, the, um, the limousine, it weighs as much as an 18-wheeler semi-truck. It can resist an attack by an RPG, a rocket-propelled grenade, an anti-tank missile, and it has its own oxygen system. The motorcade also has another vehicle that serves to defend against chemical or gas attacks. 
And it has another vehicle in the motorcade with people armed to defend the president. And that's just for a two to three day visit in China. I don't know if you know this, but I read this about visiting royalty in England. If you go visit royalty, there are certain things that you have to know before you go. So for instance, when you meet them for the first time, it is customary in a formal situation for women to curtsy and for men to bow from the neck. In a less formal occasion in which it might be appropriate to shake their hand, it is best to wait for them to offer their hand first before you reach out yours. How do you think they'd do if I just came up and give them a big hug? I got to be careful if royalty comes to shine church because they are going to be uncomfortable. If you are introduced to the queen, you address her as your majesty and any other members of the royal family are addressed as your royal highness. And for women, you therefore will call them ma'am. And for men, you would call them sir. If you want to take a photograph, you must ask their permission first. And it is important to respect that person's personal space. It is best not to initiate personal physical contact with a member of the royal family. It may be that they offer to give you a hug or put their arm around you, but wait and see what's expected or what's appropriate for the event. Okay, so we've got the President of the United States. We've got the royalty from England. I'm going to jump back 2,500 years to about 450, 500 B.C. Um, there was a king um, that was in charge. And uh, the Bible says that Queen Esther, um, her cousin Mordecai, encourages her to go before the king. But here's what you don't realize. That in that time, that if you wanted to go into the presence of the king, you actually had to be called and so when Mordecai asked Esther to go to the king, what he was doing was he was asking her to go risk her life. Because if you went before the king and you weren't called for, and he didn't reach out to you and say, let her, let him in, you would be killed. Okay? Let me jump 3,000 years ago. This is about 1,000 BC. It says this, the third king of Israel, Solomon, he was so wise that it started to attract people all around to come and visit him. And so the queen of Sheba actually comes and visits. And in 1 Kings chapter 10, it says this. When the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, and precious stones. Now what happens is she comes and visits him and starts asking him a bunch of questions, and his wisdom impresses her so much that we pick up the story in verse 10, and here's what it says. And she gave the king 120 talons of gold, large quantities of spices, and precious stones. I'm going to stop there real quick. Just so you get the picture of this, 120 talons of gold is four and a half tons. It's 9,000 pounds of gold. The queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon with this incredible caravan that contained 9,000 pounds of gold. Now, think about what that looked like because they didn't have trucks. They didn't have supply planes that they could fly the gold in on. They had to do it with camels and oxen and donkeys. Can you imagine the magnitude of that caravan? But here's what blew me away about this verse. It goes on and says this. Never again were so many spices brought in 
as those the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. Hold on, hold on. They just told us that 9,000 pounds of gold was brought to Solomon, and he comments on the number of spices that were brought in. Does anybody else find that funny? Can you imagine if he's not commenting on the amount of gold that came in, but on how much spice? Okay, I, I can't even picture. I can't even fathom. Um, I don't have a really picture mind. I don't get to see in my head. I know a lot of you are, but just picture what that looks like as the queen of Sheba came to visit the king of Israel. Man, what an impressive thing that would be. As Janelle stated, we are concluding a series today. It's the Advent series. Advent means the expectant arrival of a, of a notable person. Or another terminology of Advent is the coming. And what we're celebrating on Christmas Eve and ultimately tomorrow on Christmas is we're celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ. And the fact that he came to this earth for each one of us. And we've been talking, we've been leading up to this by talking about the hope that he brings, the faith that he stirs in us, the joy he wants us to have, the peace that goes beyond understanding. But ultimately, it all leads to this candle right here, which is called the Christ candle. And this Christ candle is what we celebrate this day and tomorrow as a family. And here's what I wanted to bring to your attention. You know, when a notable person like a president or royalty comes to a place, it's no small deal, is it? All of these examples that I just gave to you show that from the beginning of their being kings to even today, when somebody high up in leadership comes in, he comes in with a lot of pomp and circumstance, yes? It's a big deal. They shut roads down. They bring special things in. They do just amazing things. John 1, 9 through 13 says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born of a, a, not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And church, I would submit to you that when Jesus came, when, when, when John was writing that section of scripture, I believe that he was probably thinking about the fact that, you know what, when they were expecting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace to come in, they were not expecting him to come in the way that he did. Would you agree? I mean, if, if the queen of Sheba brings all of that to go visit the king of Psalms, can you imagine what the king of kings is going to come in like? And I would imagine that all of these people that were so well-versed in the scriptures, they knew it forward and backward. They could recite it. They weren't like us today where we have to get our iPhones out and look up a scripture. They memorized it. They would memorize the entire five books of the law before they were 13 years old. And all of these prophets that spoke about Jesus coming, this king, this Messiah, they were waiting for this Messiah to come. They were waiting for this king to come. And I'm willing to bet that they we had this idea in their mind that the king was going to come in and it was going to be incredible. 
And it was gonna be something that no one had ever seen. And you know what? They were right, but they didn't understand. Because it says in scriptures in Philippians that having the same mindset as Christ Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, church, there is gonna be time when every knee is gonna bow, when every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord, but that's not how he came. How did he come? He came as a little baby, put into a food trough in the dirty barn that was behind the inn. And I guarantee no one was expecting that the King of Kings would come in this way that the long-awaited Messiah would come in in this manner. And it's interesting because as I was praying through this and I was just thinking about this, I wrote this in my notes and see if it's not true to each one of us. We expect God to reveal himself to us and to the world in the way we would do it. I'm gonna read that again. We expect God to reveal himself to us and to the world in the way that we would do it. But church, God knows what we need better than we do. Throughout scripture, throughout the word of God, you will find him speaking not in a loud, booming voice, but he speaks in the whisper. There's a story of Elijah where Elijah needs desperately to hear the word of God. And so... Um, an earthquake comes, fire comes, wind comes. God doesn't speak to him in any of these, but in a quiet, still whisper. I am willing to bet that Elijah was expecting God to do something magnificent around him so that he would know that God was there, but God came in a small little whisper. He spoke to him in a way that he wasn't expecting. Church, my heart is for Christmas this year is that we would understand that God doesn't touch our lives in the way that we expect. God comes in and he lights a little candle. He lights a little portion of our life. We're expecting him to come in and to do these just incredibly big, huge things. And church, he does. From time to time, he absolutely does and he can do that. But what I have found in my life is that more often than not, the way that God comes into my heart and into my life and starts to intervene in my areas that I'm struggling with, the things that I need him to touch in. He doesn't come in some big, magnificent way. He comes in and he simply lights just a little flame. And when I recognize that he lights that little flame, it begins to change the course of my life. And what's amazing is that if you're headed this way and you just change it a little bit, it's amazing after years of doing that, you'll be so far from where you were. I had dinner with a high school buddy of mine about six months ago. Actually, it was a lunch. And I was shocked at how after 25 years, I hadn't seen him in 25 years, he was still talking about the same things. He was still doing the same thing. And he hadn't changed course at all 
Anybody else have somebody like that? God doesn't want us to live a life like that. He actually wants to come in and he wants to light a little area of our life so that we start changing our direction a little bit and we live that way and all of a sudden we look back and we go, oh my gosh, I have come so far. And it's not the way that we expect him to come in and intervene into our lives, but it's the way that he does. And so let me give you a few examples. And um, one of the things that we do at Shine Church is we actually have an opportunity for you to share a little bit. So I am going to do a little bit of interactive today. And so as I share these things, be asking God what what it was that he touched you with. So for instance, here's what happened to me. I grew up Catholic. Um, I knew a bunch of rules and regulations. Uh, Catholic uh, church has a bunch of things that you, uh, a bunch of religion to it. I Listen, I'm not bashing the Catholic church. Uh, my dad is still Catholic and loves Jesus with all of his heart. Um, but here's what I experienced. There was just certain things that it seemed to me that man wanted me to do and I didn't read it in the word of God and I didn't, really sense that God was wanting me to do it. And so I walked away from it. And I was just fine living my life without God in my life, without anything uh, to do with Jesus or God or any, anything of it. I didn't go to church. And one day, a guy walked in to the movie theater I was working at and said, hey, Dan, why don't you come to church with me? And I wanted to connect with him. I was like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll go do that. So I go down to church with him. I don't remember what happened to that church service, but I do remember, and I will never forget what happened between church and getting back to Estes Park, which is where I lived at the time. On that ride, he said this one sentence. He said, Dan, God doesn't want religion from you. He wants relationship." just a little candle lit. I will never forget that sentence. And what began to happen is God had met me unexpectedly. I didn't expect him to meet me on that conversation. I didn't, I wasn't like, okay, God, if you want, if you're here, why don't you talk to this friend through, you know, I wasn't doing any of that. But all of a sudden through that one little sentence, the course of my life started to change. And in the next several months, I gave my heart to the Lord. I began to serve in ministry and it completely changed the direction and course of my life. My goal at that time was to open a movie theater in Castle Rock. I managed movie theaters up in Estes Park. I was going to come down here, build the first movie theater in Castle Rock, and manage that, own it. That was my aspiration. But because of that one sentence, I went into ministry. I got, became a youth pastor. I moved back to Colorado, started working for Jubilee, 19 years, and then a year and a half ago, Shine Church. Man, it's amazing what happens through one little candle, one little flame that was lit. You know, I think a lot of times we think that God is going to come and light a bonfire in our lives. In church, I'm telling you, he, he does that occasionally, but more often than not, what he's going to do is simply light one little candle, one little light. For my wife, I was talking to her, for my wife, um, she can't remember exactly if it was a teaching or if it was something that just all of a sudden came to her mind. But she said this, I remember she grew up in a Christian home and she grew up feeling like she had to do all these things to be right in, in God's sight. And she remembers having this thought that God accepts me just as I am. That was the one little line. God accepts me just as I am. And it was in that moment she found herself giving her heart 
and breaking before the Lord. And again, one little decision, one little flame that began to turn her. And so I started asking people this week, what was, what was the one little thing that you can remember? And it was incredible because I got all kinds of different answers. And I'm just a minute, I'm going to ask if anything comes to mind for you. But um, one person actually said it was a relationship with somebody that called themselves Christian, but yet they weren't perfect. And in that relationship, it changed the course just a little bit of their life, and now they live a completely different life than they were living. For a couple people, I had this a couple different times. They had an accident that took place in their life. And when they walked away from the accident, they, one guy actually said this, I walked away and I was so mad at God. I was so angry at him. I was like, how could you let this happen in my life? And then he said, and then I went and looked at the car that I was in, and he goes, there's no way I should have lived. And he goes, it was that one little flame that changed the course of my life. Church, God wants to come and he wants to meet us unexpectedly. And so just real quick, in just five to seven words, because I'm going to have to repeat it back because I want everybody to hear it. What was the one little thing that changed the course of your life? Anything come to mind? Being invited to a kid's crusade. And at that crusade, you begin to, you were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. So a little bit, that was probably a, it was, it was one of the bigger candles, right? Yeah, but that was good. It was just going to like an event that you weren't planning. One person actually told me this. They were at a Christian concert. They got talked into going to a Christian concert. And during the concert, she, she said, I felt like I was lifted up off the ground. She goes, I've never experienced a feeling like that. And she goes, and I never wanted to go back. And that was the one little thing. Somebody else. And best friend inviting you to a what? To Peter, the youth, our youth pastor? That's awesome. Love that. Is Peter in here? No. Oh, too bad he didn't get to hear that. Bummer. <laughs> I love that. But a friend inviting you to a service that Peter let, and then boom, changed the course just a little direction. Somebody else. Yes. Mother having a heart attack and a stroke. How did that change the course? Okay. So at that point, it was like, okay, God, you and me, we got to get right. Because I, yeah, love that. It's amazing how a life event like that can light a candle, can it? And start moving you that way. Somebody else. Yes. The accident. Accident in 2009 with his dad walked away with just bumps and bruises. It's just amazing how that one little life circumstance, one little candle that's lit. And again, some of them are a little bit more extreme than others. But church, here's, here's what I, well, before I move on, anybody else want to share? Yes. Say that again. Oh, you got a scholarship that changed. So somebody spoke, we have a scholarship for you, which take you from going here to going here, and all of a sudden it begins to change the course of your life. 
man, it's amazing. And here's why I wanted everybody to share these things, because I believe that as people share, I think we begin to realize, oh, wait, you know what? I had something like that. But I was expecting the king of kings to come in like with this magnificence, to come in and totally radically change my life over in just an, in an instant, overnight. And sometimes, sure, he does that. But more often than not, he doesn't. He comes in through little circumstances, little instances. And if, if you let that flame light and if you let that burn in your heart and begin to realize, oh, wow, this goes above who I am or what I could do and something has actually come in and made a difference in my life. A phrase, God doesn't want religion, he wants relationship. I could not get away from thinking about that. I could not get away to the point where I actually, and I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you go, and I don't know, I don't know if I've had that little instant, maybe this service is the time. Maybe this is the little flame that God is lighting. Maybe five years down the road, you're going to refer to this Christmas Eve service, and you're going to go, that pastor spoke about God lighting little flames, and it challenged my heart. And in that moment, I asked God if he was real, because what I did is I said, God, if that's really true, if this is what you want, then God, I need you to make yourself real to me. And (laughs) this is what happened. He said, I want you to start going to church. So I made a deal with him. I'll go to church for four weekends in a row. On the third weekend, God radically grabbed a hold of my heart. All of a sudden, it started to make sense. And all of a sudden, I began to realize that I have a Lord and Savior that loves me so much that he sent his son. And that son didn't come with all this pomp and circumstance, but he came as a little baby. All of these stories point to this one thing. John 3.16, many of you know this verse. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world. Church, I want you to listen. If you're here, maybe you only come to church on Christmas. Maybe you are here because your family said, hey, this is what I want you to do because it's Christmas and would you oblige me and come to our Christmas Eve service? Maybe that's why you're here. I want you to understand that God came through his son in a manger, not to condemn you. Which I think a lot of people think that if God comes in, he wants to tell me all the things I've done wrong. That's not the case. He actually wants to come in and says this, but the word, but that the world might be saved through him. See, he wants you to understand that he wants a walking, talking relationship with you because God created you. And he's got a purpose and he has a plan for you. And he wants you to understand that the greatest gift of Christmas isn't any of the things that you might open tonight or tomorrow, but the greatest gift of Christmas is the fact that you have a creator that loves you so much that he sent his son for you. And he sent his son for you so you could have a relationship with him and so that he could come and light little flames in your life that would change the course and the direction of your life forever. The greatest gift of Christmas, it's funny. I'm driving down, I don't know if you guys have seen this sign um, in the last couple days on I-25 in Castle Rock, but they've got those big billboard signs that change the digital ones, and it says this, the greatest gift of, gift of Christmas, insist on buckling up. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I get it, buckle up, save a life, totally get that, it might save your life, but you know what? Actually, the greatest gift of Christmas is that our 
Father God sent his son Jesus Christ so that we could have that relationship with him and so that we could have that life that God created us for, for us to have. Psalms 18.28 says this, for it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. Psalms 119 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. If you are struggling with what your purpose is here on this earth, I'm here to tell you, you have a father and a creator that has created you and sent his son Jesus so that when you ask him into your heart, that what begins to happen is he begins to light certain areas of your life and begins to give you that direction. He begins to give you the course. He begins to give you the purpose. He begins to give you the why to why you actually live here on this earth right now. And he wants to do that for every single one of us. And my prayer and my hope is that for this Christmas, you would ask God to light a little flame in your heart and that you wouldn't snuff it out, but that you would actually let it burn and you would begin to pursue that little light and that you would begin to be led by that because I believe with all of my heart, if you will do that, God will make himself real to you. And he will give you, he will give you the greatest gift that I've ever been given and that is to know why I'm here. I'm so glad that I'm a pastor I'm so glad that I'm the pastor of Shine Church and not the movie theater owner of the AMC Castle Rock. I am so glad of that. I am so glad about that. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do the candle lighting portion of this service, and um, we're going to light the Christ candle. And the custom during... Advent is actually on Christmas Day, and we're going to pretend for right now that it's Christmas Day. You blow out the other four candles, and you simply light just this one Christ candle. And so here's my hope, is that I, as, I, as I pray, and when I go to light this candle, we're going to have a couple people come up and light their candles, and then we're going to fill the room. And I need to give a quick little direction. If you have a lit candle, don't turn it. Let the unlit candle come on top. Okay? It, it saves the carpet and the chairs and so many other things. Um, but when you take your candle to get lit from the next person, will you just ask God, what is the area that this represents? Or maybe what is the thing that you're speaking to me right now? And will you let that resonate and begin to start burning in your heart? Begin to pursue that thought, that thing that comes to mind as we light these candles. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you on this Christmas day. We thank you for the greatest gift that was ever given to us. We thank you for the fact that you sent your son to be born in a manger, to come humbly as a servant, to come set us an example of, of how much you truly do love us. God, you didn't come in in such a magnificent way that you forced yourself upon us. God, you came in in a way that we 
and the people of this earth did not expect. You came in in such a humble way. And God, that is exactly the same way that you want to come in to every single one of our lives in every situation and everything that we deal with. And so, Lord, for those that have asked you into your heart, or into their heart, God, I pray that you would just light something new, give somebody new vision, give them a new idea, give them a new thought that they can begin to start moving towards. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody in here this afternoon that has never asked you into their heart, God, I pray that as they light their candle, that it would be a symbol of them just saying to you, okay, if this is real, if it is true that all you want is relationship and you don't want religion and you don't want a bunch of do's and don'ts, God, if you want a relationship with me and you created me and you know my name and you know the number of hair on my head, then God, I pray that you would show yourself faithful. And God, I pray that those individuals as they light that candle, God, I pray that you would come in and you begin to reveal yourself and make yourself real. God, I thank you for the fact that it's not reformation you want. It's not about a church that you going to, or attending a church, but Lord, it's solely about having that walking, talking relationship with you. And so Lord, I pray that as we light our candles tonight, God, that we would remember the greatest gift that was ever, ever given to us. Pray these things in your name. Amen.